This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Have you ever done anything like this before? No. no? This is my okay. first time. A it's, little nervous, but yeah. also excited to share my story. Nice. Okay. I'm a little nervous too. <laughs> All right. So what story do you have for us today? Overcoming child abuse, sexual abuse, emotional, physical, and then learning how to overcome that as a mom of four and break that cycle so I don't um, pass it on to my kids so they don't keep continuing the cycle. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Tabitha. I was born in Washington, close to the Seattle area, and that's where my mom is from. I am a mom of four. I am a new birth and postpartum doula in this area, um, so the northwest Louisiana area. I just started that. Congratulations. I got my first birth client, so I'm super excited about that. I moved here to Louisiana whenever I was about 10 We moved to the Ruston area. I moved to Homer, graduated from there in 2009, and then sometime after that, moved to Minden, and that's where I am, and hopefully there to stay, because I am tired of moving. Moving, I've been moving my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so where did this all start? Like, what age, what happened? Um, So, my memory is a little foggy. My therapist told me that that was my brain's way of kind of coping with everything is just blacking it all out so that I don't have to remember all the traumatic events that happened. So I have bits and pieces of my childhood. It's mostly like the most traumatic memories that I carry. So as one of my first memories, I want to say I was about ish. And again, I don't know the exact ages. These are kind of just what I'm remembering that I might have been about four. Let's see, I was, my mom was never there. I don't even remember ever meeting my dad. He lives in Utah and maybe that's where he was at the time. I don't know where my mom was. I've met her recently in person. She came down here and she says she was trying to find us a place to live together. I don't necessarily really believe that. I think maybe she was drinking, possibly doing drugs as well. But she left us with her mother, so my grandmother, and she was a drunk. And when she would drink, she was violent and abusive. So that's who pretty much raised us, my aunt and my uncle. So it was my mom's sister. I remember us going to her house a lot. And that's one of my earliest real traumatic memories. So I have a brother, an older brother, and a younger sister. And I remember one morning I was at my uncle's house and they have three kids. So two of them were younger than me and one of them was older. I remember it was my sister, me, 
and their youngest daughter. We were all sleeping one morning, and my uncle came in there, and he picked us up one by one out of the bed and touched us inappropriately. And then put us all in the bathtub, and I just remember, like, at the time I knew it wasn't normal, but I didn't really know, understand what was going on, because I was about four. My sister is two years younger than me, so she was about two, and then my cousin was probably about my sister's age. So anyways, just threw us all in the bathtub and then just left us in the tub like nothing ever happened, and I was just like oh, okay, is this what, this is what you're supposed to do? You know, like, you you don't understand those kinds of things. But I just knew it was wrong, but I didn't tell anybody just because I was scared and he was, you know, like what most abusers say, this is our little secret, you know. Don't tell anybody or else you're going to get in trouble and make you feel guilty about it. I knew it was wrong, but I didn't understand the extent of how wrong it was. And then it was probably about the age of seven, whenever we had started telling our friends about everything that was going on with our grandmother, because she would drink a lot and then she would hit us. We would go to school and I remember telling one of our friends all the time about everything that was happening. And I was like, but don't tell anybody. You can't tell anybody. You have to, you know, I just need someone to talk to, but you can't tell anybody. Well, of course, thankfully, they finally told the teacher. I remember we were in class and it was really scary too, because I don't know if there's a better way of going about the way they did it, but it was a little embarrassing for me because the police came in and then a social worker came in and they took me out of the classroom and they were taking me out of the, down the hall and like everybody was just watching us get in the police officer's vehicle. vehicle. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I feel like they could have done that more privately. A more it discreet was, way. Yeah. yeah. It was that part. That was like one of the things that I remember that was really traumatic. And then we were split up, me and my siblings, into our first foster home. That was also very scary being a, just, you know, you're just ripped away. And then you don't even get to stay with your siblings, the, the people, you know, the only people that you feel comfortable with. Luckily, I did get a really good first foster home. They were really, really sweet. And eventually, we got placed in another foster home together. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. With your first foster home, how long were you there for? I'm not sure, but it, I don't remember it really being very long because I just have like bits and pieces. And then like the timeline is a little bit harder to kind of piece together. I want to say it was probably only a few months before they found us somewhere to go where we were all together. And then um, that foster home wasn't a good one, though, because there's a lot of people who get in it for the money. I mean, I don't think you really make a whole lot of money as a foster parent. Yeah. But there's still, you know, some of those people that that get in it for it. And we were really severely malnourished. For your second, the second foster home that you were? Yeah, just from living with my grandmother. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And sorry, I'm trying to piece it together and make it make sense. And um, just feel free to interrupt me if I'm missing a piece in there. So we were really malnourished. And I remember us getting in trouble all the time because we would be hungry and they didn't really want to feed us. So we would wait till they went to bed and we would go in there and we would sneak food. And then we would get in so much trouble. And we had a basement bedroom and they would just lock us up in there when we would get in trouble. And they'd be like, it was, I basically felt like they didn't want to deal with us. So they were, because we had all the trauma and it's really hard taking in kids who have come from backgrounds like we did. 
So really, as a foster parent, you need to be someone who's understanding and knows how to cope with kids like that. And they definitely were not. They were kind of just a out of sight, out of mind kind of foster um, family. So the second foster home was when they would put you in the basement or was that your grandma? No, that was uh, the second foster the home. The second. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. I guess I kind of skipped a whole lot of what led up to the foster homes. We had lived with my grandma for a, a while. And like I said, she had always drank. She would invite friends over as well. She had this one lady that was this Polish lady. And the only reason I remember that is because she was mean. Like, she was meaner than my grandma was. And I don't oh know if it's God. a Polish thing or yeah. something, but she was really mean. And, like... She would come in and she would spank us too. Like, just, who spanks somebody else's kids? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so just whenever you get in trouble yeah. or just if my she sees would, you? Yeah, or, my grandma would be talking to her and she'd be like, oh, yeah, they've done this, this, and this. And look at them. They haven't even got their dishes done. And we had just walked in the door from school. So then she would just, I don't know who, what possesses someone to just go in and just, and just handle up on somebody else's kids. Geez. But actually, the funny part about that is, is it was her. So the Polish lady's daughter was our friend that we would tell everything to. So she kind of witnessed some of it too. And she was the one that told the teachers and got us out of that situation. Okay. So actually, now that I'm retelling the story, I wonder if she was abused too by her mother in a now I'm wondering where she, what happened to her. Hopefully yeah, she, hopefully, hopefully something good happened good. to her then. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like uh, the earlier years, but. Okay. So um, at what age do you remember like, or how many foster parents I, I did you have? I want to say it was about three-ish. Three. So from five? It was from about six or seven. Six or seven. Until um, probably about eight or nine-ish. So I want to say it was probably only about a year or two. My aunt, so my dad's sister, all these years had been looking for us. So actually, well, he had two sisters. They were both looking for us. And they finally found us. They took us from that one abusive foster home. She took us in and she was married. We thought we were saved. So we were like, yay, she was so sweet. Well, she was sweet most of the time. Well, in the beginning, you know, the honeymoon phase. Yeah. And she was really sweet and her husband seemed sweet and we were going through all the steps for them to adopt us. And we, we thought that we had finally found somewhere stable. Turns out she was cheating on her husband with her drug dealer. (laughs) So they divorced and my uncle talked me into staying with him. And then was telling us all these horrible things about her and made us think that we didn't want to move with her because she was a little mean. Like she would tell me things like if I was acting up, God was going to strike me down with lightning. She didn't like me for some reason, which sounds terrible, but uh, she was nice to my brother and sister. But she was real mean and said hateful things to me. So I was like, okay, I believed everything my uncle said because of all of that. Well, he had other plans for us, and that was the reason why he wanted us to say. Because it was shortly after she moved out that he, and let's see, I was 11, that he started sexually abusing me and my sister. And that lasted for five years. And it was like a almost an everyday thing until he had started dating one of his coworkers. So I guess she was fulfilling his needs. His, yeah. So from 11 to 16. Yes. It slowed down, but it didn't completely stop. Let's see. I was ta- I was telling a friend 
about everything that was happening. She asked me if she could talk to her mom about it, if I'm remembering correctly. Everything's a little fuzzy because I remember her mom asking me, hey, I've heard some things are going on with you at home. Are you comfortable sharing with me? And so I was telling her what was going on and she was like, well, would you like to come live with us? Because let's see, we weren't adopted yet. We were still going through all of this stuff and we had social workers coming in and out and it was through Washington. So it was from Washington social workers to Louisiana. And when you have state to state, it takes a really, really long time. So we never fully got adopted, thankfully. So I was somehow, I don't even know how it all works. Somehow I was able to just leave and move in with her. I don't know if the social workers knew. 16. Yeah, at 16. And I don't know how it all works. But so I lived with her from Washington to Louisiana. So I lived with her until I graduated. And she was really nice lady helped like get my graduation pictures from paid for all of that paid for my cap and gown. Uh, She was really there for me her and her family. Um, She had two daughters. And she was married and they were all really there for me to help me kind of work through everything. And she was real understanding and stuff. I've eventually just most foster kids end up just aging out before they're ever even adopted. Mm-hmm. So I just aged out and at what? 17, 18 is when they just and they a lot of times they don't even have stuff set up for you. And it may be different now to where they kind of help you into society and get your own house and all that kind of stuff. But I was pretty much just out in the wild all on my own with no skills because nobody ever taught me anything how to um, do just basic skills, um, cleaning and cooking and how to be a mom, a proper mom. So I've had to learn all that on my own. So at 17, that's when the foster system, they're like, okay, you're on your own now. Like basically they just let you go. Yeah. There's supposed to be stuff set up for you. I don't know what happened with all of that with my social worker. Maybe it's because it was state to state. So I don't know why they didn't transfer it over to Louisiana. Like I said, I don't really know any of the details of how they work it out. But it was a lot of back and forth from state to state communication. And we kind of just got dropped off. But my brother, he was back in Washington, back in foster care because he did tell them and try to get us all out of that situation with my uncle. He told them what was going on with him because he was uh, being sexually abused too. The social workers, I remember the one from Washington did come back here to Louisiana to talk to us all about it. Timothy was already gone at this point. They had already taken him out of the home, but they asked us if we knew anything about it and I lied which mostly because of selfish reasons, because I really liked my friends and stuff that I had here. And I didn't want to go back to Washington with and change everything again because I was tired of moving. I was tired of meeting new people, moving in with new families. And I was like, okay, I can just endure this for a little bit longer and I can move out. And they were like, are you sure nothing is happening? Because we can get you out of the situation if you just tell us something's happening. And I was like, no, 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 none of this. I don't know what he's talking about. I've never seen any of that happening, partially because I was scared, too, yeah. of my uncle. So he um, was also abusing your brother? Yes. In other ways, um, without going into too much detail for him, um, he would make him watch inappropriate adult films and sit beside him while he was doing that. That's about all I know of what he did with him, because that was just one thing that he had told me. He witnessed some of it because he had walked in the bedroom sometimes whenever um, my uncle was abusing me. And then he would, it was so awkward for him. And I know he was, um, and now I'm going to start crying. Hold on. No, he felt helpless too, because he's the older brother. 
that should be able to help, but he couldn't. And then I feel guilty. I, you, a I feel guilty right now there. because behind you. I'm sorry. There you go. <laughs> He did try to help us, and now I feel bad because I did lie. Eventually, that led to us not being able to keep in touch with each other. So him and I had stopped talking for a while because of that, because I kind of, I don't know. I just, I feel guilty because he tried, he couldn't help in the moments, but he tried to help later, and then I didn't let him help because I was being selfish, I guess. Did you, have you told him any of this yet? No, no. He was gone for a long time. So him and I have never really been that close. And come to find out, he was ended up being homeless after he got out of foster care. Somehow, I guess they shipped him, shipped him like he's cargo or something. (laughs) I guess they sent him back to Louisiana because sometimes somehow he got back here after he aged out. So again, they didn't really have very much set up for us. They, and they just sent him over here, and he ended up being homeless wow. here in, I want to say it was here in the Bossier area, some other little town over, and they found him under a bridge. And he had been, like, breaking into um, people's houses to eat, which he's, like, the nicest. I laugh about it now, and I joke with him. I was like, you are the nicest homeless man who breaks into somebody's house because he was telling us the story about how he went in there to grab a sandwich yeah. and he was like but I made sure I cleaned, cleaned up, up. <laughs> I washed the dishes even some extra dishes oh. and, and all of that so I'm like they were probably like came home and was like wash these dishes yeah. <laughs> but where's my sandwich <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> I was like you're the nicest homeless man ever <laughs> but I was mad because he didn't contact me mm-hmm. To tell me, you know, that he... Is he still here? Yeah, he's here now. He lives in Minden now, actually, because we went and got him from the place he was living after um, he was homeless. There was an organization in that area that helped him get back on his feet. But he was about to lose his job. Logansport, that's the name of the town. A lot of stuff was shutting down in that area. He was about to lose his job because his place was shutting down. His uh, work was shutting down. So we went and we got him and then he moved in with us for a little while. So we were kind of able to reconcile there. Him and I don't really talk about anything that goes on. It's just, it's really awkward between the two of us when it comes to talking about what we went through through. as kids. I bet, yeah. But my sister and I, we talk about it all the time. her and I are a lot closer. Here? She's in Washington. In Washington. She moved back to Washington probably about, I think it's been about four or five years now. And she loves it up there. After high school, what did you do? Well, I had moved in my friend. So it was the one whose mother had taken me in. She was engaged and she had her own place. And so I moved in with her for a little while. And then when she was ready to start a family to find my own place, I was working a job that didn't really pay very much. Um, so it was hard finding somewhere that was affordable. I ended up starting to hang out with the wrong crowd. And that is where I met my oldest daughter's dad. He was abusive also. Because growing up, you know, I didn't understand what a healthy relationship or healthy love should have been. Boys weren't ever really interested in me in high school. I was just like, oh, okay, here's somebody who's interested in me. So I kind of just took it. He very big narcissist. So like everything was my fault. He loved talking me down. He was just rude, just mean, always saying hateful things to me. And then he had three kids. 
himself. And then two of them, none of them lived with him. And that should have been red flag number one. But it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I looked over that. Yeah. I was blinded like, by love. Yeah. So one of his youngest lives with, lived with his, her mom and then the older two lived with their grandmother so his mother and he was 10 years older than me and I was 19 so actually no I was 18 wow. 18 and 28 that should have I guess that one should have been red flag number one but yeah. it wasn't <laughs> and uh, there's no way I could be a 28 year old and be interested in an 18 year old yeah. like, it's like when you're looking back now yeah. right, it's like wow that that was wrong yeah how long like, were you with him for? We were together for four years, four years too many. <laughs> and we were just always yelling at each other because he was doing drugs. He was partying. He was leaving me at the house with his kids on the weekends when whenever he had his kids. And he would leave for days on end. Of course, he didn't have a job, so he didn't have minutes on his phone. So I was just like left at the house by myself. I didn't have a job because he had moved me out way out into the country with yeah. no vehicle. So he was like isolating me. Basically, I was made to just be the the babysitter and the house cleaner. The homekeeper. Yeah. yeah. So like he had tried isolating me from family, friends and all of that and kind of just took me out into the country and just would run off, hang out with his teenage friends as an almost 30-year-old. Yeah. Like... um what was your um, breaking point? Like, what made you realize, okay, I don't want this anymore? Um, well, things had started to get physically abusive. And this was after I had had my daughter. She was about two. And he would hit me, and then I would hit him back. Because I was hit my whole childhood. And now I'm big enough to stand fight up back. for myself and fight back and if you're gonna hit me i'm gonna hit you back yeah and i'm i'm not gonna make it easy on you you're not just gonna use me as your punching bag or and so it got to the point where even when his kids were around he was hitting me and then i noticed a change in my two-year-old's behavior she was starting to um get more of those um rages I guess where she was which a lot of it's also two-year-old behavior you know tantrums but um I don't know it was just I was like this isn't right she's kind of picking up on all the negative energy that is in this house she's seeing the way he's behaving his kids are behaving that way too they they had no respect for me because he wouldn't allow me to um discipline them any and um so I was like, you know what? I refuse to have a daughter that is going to go through the same things that I went through when I was a kid. Um, she wasn't being abused, but I refused to have her see her mom get abused. And her, well, her dad was getting abused too because I was hitting him. Yeah. And I was like, this is very unhealthy. Um, it's, And then I got to thinking about how whenever I was in the sixth grade, we were in um, a health education class. And we were talking about mental health, and then we were talking about child abuse and how um, the cycle has to be broken because the abused usually becomes the abuser. Yeah. And that just randomly popped in my head. And I was like, you know what? It's time to break this cycle. And um, I'm done. I refuse to do any of this. And I told him, because I was the one who was working and I was the one who was paying the bills, it's time for you to leave 
pack up your stuff and I want you gone this weekend. Which, of course, a couple months later, he ends up crying. And I'm terrible when people come and cry. And I'm a big people pleaser. Yeah. That's like one of my faults is I'm like, okay, you can move back in. You just but, have a big heart. Yeah. I was like, but things are going to be different this time. You know, naive. I know it's not going to be different, but I'm hoping it's going to be different. Yeah. And I'm just like, I just want somebody to love me. Nobody's ever loved me. I want somebody to love me. And so I let him move back in. And it was two months later. I was like, look, you said you were going to change. You haven't changed. Hit the road. We're done. And um, he was out within a couple of days. I told him, I said, I want you to start packing right now. And I want you out of my house right now. That's awesome. And so proud of you. I never looked back. I didn't. And it wasn't short. It was shortly after that, which... Um, so my ex had given me a hard time about this, that I had found my now husband mm-hmm. like two, three months afterwards. And I was like, look, I was done with you long time ago. All my love for you was just gone. You were just a man that lived in my house and you were hardly even there. So I'm sorry if your feelings are hurt. Yeah. But and so we're married now and very happy. Yes. You Well, as happy as you can be, you know, nothing's ever perfect, but um Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Wait, so you met another? Yeah. Okay. My, my yeah. husband, um, and he's the one that I have the three kids with and that we're married now. Okay. So I met him shortly after all of that. How did you guys end up meeting? Um, we actually went to the same high school together, but he graduated a year before me and we never talked. He was interested in his, they weren't married yet, but it was his first, ended up being his first wife. Okay. Um, so they were high school sweet, sweethearts. And like, he tells me now, I used to try and talk to you in high school, but you would ignore me. <laughs> um, so it's funny now that we're, that we're married. So now that, you know how like earlier you said you were um, trying to break the cycle or you want to break the cycle, mm-hmm. what are some things that you are doing? Um, well, I'm trying to take the gentle parenting approach. Which a lot of people think that that's just a whole lot of just babying. And it's not necessarily babying. It's like changing the way you approach situations, like rewording it, going in after you're finally calmed down in high stressful situations, or just walking away when you feel yourself at your breaking point, which that one took me and I'm still working on it. Me too. And um, it's hard. (laughs) Like... Kids are rough. Yeah. They could be really mean and they could throw some fits and I get overstimulated very easily. So I'm trying to communicate with my kids. Hey, mama's starting to like, I'm, this is, this is where my level is. Uh, We're above my head and I'm about to go crazy. Yeah. So how about we all take a break, go to your rooms and let me calm down and let you calm down And then we can come back and we can address the situation when everybody's calm, nobody's crying. 
and we can figure this out together. But like I said, it doesn't always work. I still yell more than I should. Me too. And it's hard figuring it out. Yeah, especially when you come from like all the traumas. Growing up, my parents didn't really, there was no such thing as gentle parenting. Like with us, like they think that we shouldn't have any feelings or whatever. Yes, exactly. If, yeah, and if we do try to express that feeling, it's like we get shut down so quickly. Yes. And that's what I learned from my parents. And I I mean, I have three kids, and sometimes I do get to the point where I feel like, crap, I'm acting like my mom. Like, I'm yeah. yelling where I shouldn't be. Like, mm-hmm. there's really no reason. So I feel like it's... It's a lot of our generation. Learning. I feel like is also our eyes are more open. Open, yes, because of social media and the internet. I mean, we have so many resources with just therapists. Like, I joke that TikTok is my therapist because there's so many therapists on there and people yes. who their profession is to help other parents learn how to be better parents. There's so much that I've learned that's opened my eyes. And I'm like, wow, I never even thought about that. Like, sometimes you forget what it's like to be a kid. Yes. And because also, sorry to no, interrupt yeah. you, but um, also, like, I feel like with, uh, well, people who go through trauma, they were, they were never really a kid to begin with. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I was definitely why. mom. Basically, I was the middle child, but my brother, he was less mature than I was. And so since we didn't have a mother figure, I kind of took on that role. So I had to become grown at a very young age. And like you said, I I didn't have anyone to teach me the right way to parent and the right way to handle my emotions. And it was just all rage. It was just, yeah, there was there was no coping. If you cried, you got hit. If you showed any emotions, you got hit. Um, or get thrown something. Yeah. Or told to shut up. Yelled at. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so that's one thing that I, too, try to do with my kids. Like, it might sound terrible, but sometimes I let them go to their room and I let them slam their door and just go in there and just scream mm-hmm. because they need to like, get those emotions out. out. And um, it's okay. It's not hurting me. My door's not going to fall off the hinges, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, if if they get a little excessive over it, I have to wait till I calm down before I go in there. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, this is getting to be too much. Yeah. Breathe, calm down. And then whenever you're ready, you can come out of your room. Yeah. And so I let them kind of try and regulate it themselves. Um, I'm still learning on how to teach them how to regulate it outside of just like the breathing. I feel like that's still one step. Yeah. Further I think than what I was taught. A really you know, good job. Go yeah. to your room, slam your door, scream. Yeah, scream. Scream Punch all you want wall. in there. We'll replace yeah. it. We'll replace the door. <laughs> now, my walls, Water. though, it might hurt. <laughs> Punch the wall, but it might be the only time you do it because you, you're you probably going to bruise your knuckles because we oh, have yeah. those old wood paneling. Oh, yeah. So those things are hard. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can punch the wall all you want, but you might regret it. I feel like it'll help them calm <laughs> yeah. down, too. Yeah, I grew up with six, the oldest one, seven kids. So, oh wow, you yeah, grew up in a big family then. A big family. <laughs> so, like, I just remember coming home from school, and then my mom would bring in a carrier with a baby. Oh, <laughs> now I'm like, when were you pregnant? Yeah. I kind of feel like that's what I did to my oldest daughter. Um, <laughs> so I waited 
five years after she was born before I had a second daughter. And then it was just like, bam, 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 three babies after that. But, I mean, she was she kind of loved it because she's a little um, not that I've made her do motherly things, things but yeah. that's just like that's her personality. She she loves it. And she would just come in and she would be like, do you need help? Oh. And then she would just do stuff on her own and she would get excited with every little baby. But then I also feel guilty because I have mom guilt, lots of mom guilt, which what mom doesn't have mom guilt. Yeah. But I feel like I just have a lot of it. And I'm like, did I kind of take her childhood away by and give her less attention by having three babies in? Let's see. How was it? It was second one was born in 2017. The third one was born in 2021. So in those, 19, so five years, I guess that sounds a little bit better, but it was still really, really quickly. Yeah. Because um, the middle two kids are only 16 months apart. So I kind of feel guilty about taking a little bit of that attention away and then having four kids. And now I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> I was in that, that phase where I was like, they're just so cute. Yeah, they're just, just so sweet. Let's have another. Yeah. And now they're like... At Let's least she yeah. enjoys it because yeah. I was the total opposite. My mom would tell me, you know, you need to take care of your siblings. I'm like, why? Yeah. They're not my kids. <laughs> I you don't want to do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but at least she's like, she's willing to help and she enjoys yeah. it. Yeah. So. And so even whenever other people come over, then they bring their little babies. Yeah, she turns into just... the, the free babysitter that you didn't even know you needed. She's like, hey, I come love here, that. little baby. Yeah. Follow me around. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love that. Earlier, you were talking about you just recently became a doula. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. So a doula is a person that comes in. So a birth doula, we'll start with birth doula, because there's many, many different doulas come in bef uh, while the, the mother is pregnant. And we provide emotional support, help you get ready to give birth. There's lots of techniques that you can do to kind of um, engage baby in your pelvis to get baby where she he or she needs to be to help shorten your birth. And, or your labor, um, going over different positions that you can do while you're in labor. Just give support, whether that be through a C-section or with an epidural or naturally or at home. And then just um, try and be that person that can provide resources for you, some hands-on support during labor if that's what the client wants. I don't want to take away from your birthing partner, whether that be your husband or your mother. I teach them also how to be that hands-on support and that emotional support. The other side is postpartum doula, which is where I come in after you've given birth and I help you with household chores. You need me to go oh, pick wow. up your groceries for you. I can do that. I can hold baby and do um, basic newborn care while you go take a nap or you go take a shower so you can recover and you can be the best mom that you can because it's hard getting that sleep, yeah. you know. Well, I don't take care of any of the medical side of it. So that's the difference between a doula and a midwife. Okay. A midwife does the medical stuff. I know there's going to be a few people or probably a lot of people that's going to be interested on in your services. Like, are you working for a company or are you your own? Are you like just an independent? Um, independent. Contract. Okay, um, cool. In Louisiana is so far behind with maternal care. <laughs> It sounds terrible, but America's not as great as what everybody thinks it is. If, if anybody's interested in your service, they just contact you. Do yes. You have like a I have a, page? I have a have? Facebook page. I don't have a website yet. Um, it's Tabitha Smith, Louisiana Doula. 
on Facebook. My phone number is also listed on there. So with everything that we talked about, is there any message that you want to put out for the people that probably went through the same thing as you did? Try not to be too hard on yourself. You're, you're figuring this out all on your own. Try to talk to a therapist. That's like one of the biggest things. Like you're going to need help from other people um, to help you work through everything that you've gone through and how to cope with it and how to move on with your life and um, find it. They can find you any other resources that you may need. Don't feel guilty if you have to be put on depression or anxiety medicine. Me a long time to even get on any just because I was like, I don't know, there's a stigma, you know, medicine and mental health, which it's, I feel like it's starting to kind of now become less of a, a, a bad stigma. But yeah, don't be hard on yourself. Um, if you're a mother, no mom is perfect. You're going to figure it out. If you're feeling guilty at the end of the day, that just means that you love your kids enough that you just, you are aware that, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. Like, if you feel guilty, that means you care enough. Like, if you're worried about whether you're being a good mom, you're a good mom. Yeah. Kids are hard. Kids are mean. Life they is are. hard. Yeah. Life is hard. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs. It's going to be a roller coaster and just kind of try to enjoy the ride as much as you can and just take a deep breath and relax and you'll get through this, especially if you let other people help you get through it. And life does get better. You may not think it does, but it will get better because I'm pretty happy with the way that my life's going. There was one point where I didn't think that that it was going to get any better. And it, it does. And now you're <laughs> starting a whole career. Yes. And you're going to do so well. And I, I still can't believe it. I was actually thinking about that on the way here. I was like, wow, I'm a doula. <laughs> yes. Look at me go. Like, Own it. Everybody told me that I was just going to be nothing. And here I am, uh, what I feel like is a great mom, learning to overcome everything. And I am getting out there. And I'm proud of myself. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Tearing up over here just <laughs> thinking about everything like, wow, I really did that. You yeah. did. That is amazing. Again, thank you so much thank for you. being here.